Well, this morning we are with uh, Pastor Dave in India. We are thrilled to have as our guest speaker this morning, Eugene Enns. Gene and I have been friends for, wow, coming up on 20 years, I suppose it is. He served a church in Canada for many years in the Brian Fellowship and then found himself in Henderson leading Grace. He decided 10. He's got a beautiful wife, Marcia. She's not able to join us today. Four kids, and we decided 10 grandkids, yeah. correct? All right, 10 <laughs> right. grandkids. So yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome, Gene. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> hey. Thank you so much. You guys are a rambunctious outfit. I don't know if it's spring or what, but uh, you are so uh, enthusiastic and so friendly, and I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to come. Uh, first of all, just thank you for the blessing you've been to Grace Mission. Your, your, your gifts have been a, a great blessing to us, and I come to say thank you, first of all, and then to report on, on what God's doing in Haiti and Mexico. So, we're going to roll pretty fast because we've got a lot to do, but I'm going to be in Sunday school later so we can put some meat on the bones over there in Sunday school if you've got a lot of questions. Last time we were here, we were in Sunday school, and it was probably one of the best Sunday school classes I've ever been in where people asked questions, insightful questions. They asked questions I didn't even know the answers to, and it was just wonderful. So uh, appreciate that. My wife couldn't be with me. Uh, she had eye surgery, cataract removal a week and a half ago. For her very early and then we had to get up early this morning and tomorrow we get to go for another eye surgery in Grand Island for the other eye and so yesterday we got home from the funeral I looked at her and said you are white in the face oh I'm so tired she says so we're lying in bed <laughs> last night she says you can't I said you can't go tomorrow she says oh but I want to see the people I said no you're staying home and so she's home with that, but she is that kind of a person. I wish that y'all could meet her. Some of you have, and you know her. She's just a people person. Okay, we're gonna... She loves being around people, so uh, we appreciate this opportunity. Okay, we're going to get rolling here, but yeah, we work in Haiti and Mexico. Uh, we help nationals to do the work of the ministry, which uh, sometimes people say, oh, do you live in Haiti? No, I live in Henderson, quite different. <laughs> Henderson, Nebraska, just up the road here. And so we help the people do the ministry in various ways that I'll show you this morning. And uh, it's exciting. It's not an easy work. Sometimes, oh, it sounds so wonderful to do missions. Oh, man, it's trying. There are problems. But it's exciting to see what God does. This is how we started years ago. J.R. Barkman in 1981, he was a guy who had children's homes all over Henderson and Central City in that area. He retired in, in 1971. At age 71, he says, I'm too young to retire, so I'm going to refire, and he started Grace Mission. So now uh, we have Bernadine and Yolan as our directors, so go ahead. Uh, the location of, is, is up in northern Haiti, Cape Haitian. We're not down here. A lot of people are working down here. This is the big city, Port-au-Prince. We're up north, so you fly in from Florida into Cape Haitian, and then you drive over to Limbe, which is about, it should take only about 45 minutes, and sometimes it takes an hour, an hour and a half. The roads, people are complaining. Oh, I listened to the radio in Omaha. Oh, the potholes. Oh, they're ready to kill the mayor. Oh, come on. Nothing. Okay, we're going to move fast, so I'm going to go like that. Okay, so uh, that's the way it looks in Cape Haitian usually. But it can also look, when I do that, it can also look like this. 
And I figured I'd better tell you about the unrest in Haiti because you're going to ask me anyway, right? So I've got pictures. This is not the latest one. But on occasion in Haiti, it has been like this. When they are mad about something and they want something changed, they'll go into this lockdown mode where they set tire fires and rocks across the road, barricades, you cannot travel. Now, the problem most recently is that it started in December and continues till now. And that's different than usually it's about a week to 10 days or something, and then it's over, and then you go back to normal. But this has been off and on and off and on. They say they're not going to quit till they get rid of the president. Now, I can't tell you who's good or bad, but the president says, I'm not going to turn the country over to gang members and drug lords, which could very well be the case. We were just in Haiti. I was with the team in February. We got on the airplane. The guy says, uh, I, I texted him as I was getting on the plane. He says, everything's good. Come on down. Yeah. Got to the airport, and he said, things are blocked up. We just barely made it. They got through the city, and as they were getting through the city, barricades came. Show the next picture. And so as they were coming through the city, suddenly uh, things were closed down. The back windows of the, van, uh, the, the suburban got knocked out with rocks, and we had a hard time getting back home. And then how are we going to get back to the airport? So I've got a problem for you this morning. You live in Haiti. Tomorrow you're going out on the plane. How are you going to get back to the airport? Do you see where this is? Is that shimmering good at me? <laughs> that looks good. This I don't know about. <laughs> okay, what town is that up there? Can you see that? Malcolm, where's the airport? Right here. You got to get from there to there. This is the main road, okay? There's really only one main road here. You didn't know that. But look at, oh, there's, there's roadblocks here. There's got fires. They've got rocks. These are big old rocks across the road. You didn't know you had big rocks like that in Nebraska. <laughs> so what are you going to do? And so here's what we did. We tried to get going, and uh, we had to go through different roads. We went on roads where we didn't know where we were going. We went in back roads through stuff that I'd never seen. Even the Haitian guys didn't know. So we had to... Can you see this guy? I can barely see him. That is a Haitian guy on a motorcycle. And gets you, he says, oh, there's, it's okay over here. Oh, don't go over here. He goes ahead with the motorcycle, and he gets you through, and you can end up at the airport, maybe. One lady said that it cost them, I don't know if she's telling the truth. I don't know what she did. I don't know who they were with, but she said it cost them $5,000 to make a trip to the airport because they had to pay. This is highway robbery, literally, because they might let you through a blockade if you give them enough money. And team, oh, uh, that's why we canceled the next team. However, the next team is in there now, and we hope they make it out on Tuesday, or they're going to have to do this. All right? Now, did you know that you have some people going with us on a team in June? Is uh, Deb Schaefer is not here, right? I heard she's on vacation. Uh, Logan? Logan, there you are. I shouldn't have said this to you, should I have? Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, right, Dad. <laughs> okay, look, you're not going to go if it's like this, okay? And we're already probably going to cancel the April team. The problem is, is we're going to wait till everything is clear and calm down before we're going to send anybody back because it's just not worth the risk. 
And so we don't want anybody to get hurt, but you never know. Now, fortunately in Haiti, uh, just don't go after whites necessarily. Uh, that's just the common. They, they go after people who are their enemies. And so this is an opportunity for them to go kill their political enemies. It's not like the United States. They can't go kill a Democrat. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Next. Better keep moving. Okay. Here is where you would go, Logan. Okay. I'll give you a little. Me, you and me. Are we have our talk. Okay. This is our compound. Um, this is where we have our orphanage. Our seniors' home, our team rooms, uh, pastors meet. We got a church on here, and it's a, it's our main main compound. Now it's safe there if you're in Haiti and all this stuff is going on. It's safe in there. We got big walls. We got barbed wire. It looks like a military compound. Ten foot high walls with razor wire around the top. Big gates, security guards, dogs. You can't import guns, so we don't have 50 millimeter cannons in there. So, but it is it is safe. So that's where we have our head compound, all right? Then, our reason for being there, of course, is in the Bible, is these things. Evangelism, discipleship, the church, orphans and widows, and the poor. We put it in that order because we want people to hear the gospel. What a wonderful name it is. Jesus Christ, I love that song. Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's why we're in Haiti. That's why we're doing it. We want to see people saved. We want to see people discipled. And then we want to help the church. We also are helping orphans and widows and so on. Now, the pastors, we have 42 churches. Pastors are a unique breed in Haiti. They may have no education. We have some who can't even read, and yet they're the pastor. Now, it was an opportunity that we, we had to train them. In six years' time, we gave them one year's worth of Bible school. And suddenly, they said, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me because now I know what I'm talking about. Wouldn't that be great? So uh, this is a, a, a wonderful thing that they, they really appreciated, and it's really helped our churches to grow in Christ. Now, here's you an know, experience from one of the churches. Okay, he got a sister in his church. Uh, this, is, uh, this sister has a neighbor who got a, a terrible problem. Okay, she's not even converted, but when she's crazy, she's not even petite. This lady uh, don't have any children, so uh, his house is uh, broken, and the church, the lady tell that to the church, and the church go to fix the house. We just had it, we just had it. Okay, we arrived, we helped him. And after that, the lady will accept the Lord as his personal Savior. Amen. So this is what we want to see happen. This is why we're there. We're helping them to do the ministry. Now, white people could do the ministry, but guess what it would cost you to live there? Guess what it would be like for you to have to learn the language, be accepted by the Haitian culture, because you don't think like a Haitian thinks. Very, very different. I don't think like a Haitian thinks. This guy does. Guess why? He's a Haitian. <laughs> very simple. So this is the joy and the challenge that we have. Now, we've done sister churches. We've done about 12 sister churches in the last 15 years. 
And that's where one church adopts a church in Haiti and has a special uh, prayer, special effort, goes down and visits one church and takes the responsibility of encouraging them spiritually as well as physically wherever possible. So we've had probably about eight or nine Berean churches involved in this. And it's been a pretty exciting thing that happens because the church in Haiti really is moved forward when they have a building. Sometimes in Haiti, it's just like here, I see you have stained glass windows in your church. Oh, it's a church. Well, in Haiti, if you have a building that looks like this, if you can see this building, that's called a pig pen. And people won't come to that church. But they will come to a church as long as it looks like this, the same place. These guys had a vision. We've helped build a church. Now they have 250 people there. And the ministry has taken off. We've also done VBS. Lots of kids come to VBS. Every summer we have VBS. We've had usually three to 4,000 kids come. Almost 400 kids saved. It costs $1.50 a kid to have VBS. And we've appreciated the help that people have given us for that. Then we have to head discipleship. Now, this has been my great joy, is to find three guys, those three, I call them my three mighty men. They were, if it had his three mighty men, because these guys were fat. They were faithful, available, and teachable. Fat, F-A-T. Okay, well, that wasn't for that yet, but that's okay. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get it yet, won't we? Okay. So, you know, uh, lost my train of thought. Okay, so these three guys were hungry to grow. They said, we want to become better men. You know, it is hard to find a person in Haiti, a man in Haiti, that will be humble as a leader. Because when you are nothing and you feel like nothing and you've had a dad who treated you like dirt and whipped the tar out of you, possibly left you and forsook you, and there's very few good men to begin with in Haiti, when you give a little become a ruler, the test of a person's character is if you give him an inch, does he become a ruler? And in Haiti, it's so common. And when he becomes a ruler, he's like a dictator. And he's impossible to work with. He's not a servant leader. But these three guys seem like God gave them a special heart. And I did find out that all of these guys had fathers. Not so good necessarily, but they all had fathers. Tidor especially. I've met his dad. Tidor, the guy that's right in the middle. And Tidor has become a mighty man of valor because here's what we're doing. Because Now you can turn it. There we go. We are trying to change Haiti. Is that a radical concept, or should we just go down there and keep feeding people and putting bandages on the problems? What are you going to do to change Haiti? Now, here's the deal. Every time I go through this, I meet somebody in the hallway, and they'll say to me, it's just like the United States. It's just like the United States. This is what we need in the United States. So, okay, let's get that off there. We're talking about the United States. What would it take to change the United States? Right here. Broken men equal broken marriages, broken children, broken institutions, government, schools, churches equal what? Most of the poverty-stricken areas in the United States, and I know some of them by statistics, 50 years ago, 
only 37% of the homes did not have fathers. Today, it's just reversed. Today, there are 73% of the homes that do not have fathers. I'm reading a book called The Boy Crisis. That our main, the guys who are doing all the shooting and killing, did not have fathers. They never had a man in their life who loved them and disciplined them properly and cared for them. So they're left on their own. They have a crisis of identity, of who I am. I want to be somebody. So if I can go out and shoot you up, I'm going to be somebody. Now, how many times over is that happening in our country? I can tell you in Haiti, it's massive. Because a man, a macho man in Haiti, has about five women on a string. And a woman may have five or six kids from five or six different men. And you grow up in that kind of a home, what kind of a boy will you be? And then how can, what kind of a father and what kind of a husband will you be in the future? And the cycle goes on and on and on, and it's going on and on in our country. Same thing. So what are we going to do? And I've just listed some of the things there. Now we can go to the next side. I'll tell you about that later. I don't have time. But with these discipleship guys, we've developed what we're calling our character conferences. And here they are. Here's three of them. And then we have some other guys that have been added. We've developed a book on family and marriage. We've developed a book on character in life and in the family. We've developed the book on the gospel and personal evangelism. All three of those are important. There's a crying need because there's no materials like this in Haiti that are in Creole. And when we go to a conference, we teach these people about these kinds of practical ways of life, they are so thankful and so excited. I think we have a video coming up here. I went on a conference with these guys last April, and we went from way up there to almost to the Dominican Republic down here. Here's a video. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting trip. It's fun to go with these Haitian guys because I got to spend all day with them, saw how they eat, how they, how, what they do, how they talk, and it's kind of fun. We stayed in a pretty decent motel. Actually, the guy had been to Orlando, drove a truck, and sent his money back so that he could build this hotel. So the night before, we did snacks and sang songs. The guys were uh, having a good time of fellowship together, getting ready to go for the next day. The shirt says, Character Determines Success. Now, this, this is an amazing church building. I don't know who built this church, but it's 60 feet wide with wood trusses. I always look at the trusses to see if it's going to fall down. But uh, it's a big old building, rain building, old building. But uh, the pastor was very eager to have us. It rained the night before. And when it rains, people have a hard time traveling. So we weren't sure how many people would come to the conference. So it, they came in late. We were supposed to start at 9, and by 11.30, everybody got there. So, you know, that's the way it goes in Haiti. That's called Haitian time. Here's Tito speaking to the conference. <laughs> Yeah, that little, that's good. Everything's good. That's what that means. 
So we did small groups. Gito talks about evangelism in the gospel because the gospel is confused. I only see a couple of people here who are saved this morning. You're saved. You've got a necktie on. None of the rest of you are. The gospel in Haiti. They really appreciate it. Now here's the key thing. Watch this. This is la- this lady, Rosa Marie. She cried. Because you guys are saying stuff about men in Haiti that is never said to the men. They treat women like slaves. It's a common practice. A woman is a second class person in Haiti. We're trying to teach the men to really love their husbands. Some say, hey, for the first time in my life, I heard that I'm not supposed to be a bull in the china closet. Good home. Yeah, the first uh, time I sat in that conference for family to learn something about family like that, it's not easy to say that in Haiti. And that's one reason that makes me felicite you again and I want to thank God for the ministry of pour nous continuer utile à communauté ça utile à l'autre monde pour l'évangile à lui-même les cas les deux. Yeah, I congratulate both all for that conference and thank uh, and thank you for that and ask God to to bless us to continue the that program. Yeah, David would like that camera shot up close. So this lady was so thankful. She got materials, free materials. Your help has helped us to print materials. They don't get free materials in Haiti. These guys, somebody would have a conference, but they'd do it to make money. So they'd charge money for you to come, then they'd sell you the materials. And what person has money to go to a conference and then buy materials? They say, this is the first conference I've ever been to in my life. And it's the first conference that I've ever been to where it's free materials. Wow, that's a blessing. Okay, so this is something that's very important to us. Then we have an orphanage. We've got 30 kids in an orphanage. A very good, interesting uh, concept. You should come and see these kids. One of the things that we're working on now is the kids are getting older. And that's the problem. Huh, problem, you say. They should get older, shouldn't they? Yeah, Yeah. But that means they're no longer little kids. Now we got teenagers. How'd you like to have a house full of about 12 teenagers? What are you going to do with 12 teenagers? Where are they going to work? How are you going to launch them into society? Some is, are you going to kick them out at age 18? No. Are you going to send them to college in the United States? No. They never come back to Haiti. We started this orphanage so that we could impact Haiti. It's a challenge. We're working on it. We've got some plans going on, and we're trying to give them opportunities to, to work and to learn how to work. So it's very important. So pray for us with that. We have a desperate baby care program. This was one of the little guys that came to us. He looked like this. Six months later, he looked like this. Now, we don't have room in the orphanage, and we're not taking any more babies in. So we started what we call a weekly desperate baby care program. Little babies that are malnutrition, the mom comes in. We have to decide if she's lying or telling the truth. We have to weigh the baby, see how much it weighs, give her some formula, see if the baby gains weight, or did she sell the formula? 
Do you know that a mother will sometimes give her baby Coca-Cola and think she's doing a good job? It's weird. So this is an important thing we do. Then we have a senior's home. There's only one other senior's home in all of northern Haiti that I know of because the end of the scale is the old folks are deserted. At the beginning of the scale, those babies are deserted and kids are deserted. What did Jesus say? Good religion is to take care of who? You got it. So that's what we're doing. We got about 10 of them here. They come from desperate situations. I won't take time to tell you about that. We got to keep moving. We do teams. Yes, we do teams. Yeah, Logan, we do teams. If she goes on this group, thank it. We got a church from Auburn, Nebraska that's called the Berean Church in Auburn, Nebraska. They're sending their youth group. Church in Henderson, Nebraska, named the FEBC Church. They're sending their youth group. Logan and Deb Schaefer and her daughter Kaylee would go with us, with them. And they will have a great time. We do teams because it is a way to impact these people for eternity that go. Now there's in 20 years we've taken 650 people to Haiti on teams. Now not everyone has had the same impact that's gone. But I can tell you, I can give you people's names today who have been changed and come back to their churches and are different people because they went on a team. So that does the church good here, but it also helps us over there. And you never know what God will do with those people. So we do appreciate teams. And there's all kinds of things we're doing with teams. Uh, one of the things that as a young person you'll get involved with is the orphan kids. You'll meet some kids, and unfortunately you have long hair, Logan. So they're going to braid your hair into tight little braids and make you look pretty. They love it. We have a container every December. Look how I'm getting older, guys. And... We need a replacement, by the way. Anybody want to be the director of Grace Mission? Raise your hand. I'm taking applications. <laughs> last year, we put 22,000 pounds of supplies to last us a whole year on that container that we had to repair. And we had uh, 22,000 pounds of tin for the roof that we had to repair. It was all rotten. So this coming December, another container. Takes a lot of money. Here's my pitch. Money. You know what that means? Okay, next slide. <laughs> Watch this. Sleep while the sun comes up. The orphanage is still asleep while the sun comes up. Slowly the girls wake up in my room before long the busy day begins. My name is Justine and I live in the Grace Mission Orphanage in Limby. This is my family, brothers and sisters running around, showering, finding uniforms, and getting ready. The kitchen is full as Rosla cooks oatmeal for breakfast. The morning is cool and the sunshine feels warm on my face as we sit for breakfast. Every morning during devotion we pray for the kids and the staff and the teachers, for friends and team members we have met, for health and safety and for our country. As we pray my mind drifts to the people I have met over the years. We have seen faces from all over the world come and go. I have met many people from teams that come in to help with work projects. Sometimes I go with them to the sister churches where I help translate for them. This can sometimes be difficult, but I enjoy the opportunity to use my skills and language to help them understand my culture. 
After divorce, we go to school, listening to the teachers as we learn math, science, Bible, and English, in hopes that one day we will be world changers. School has challenged us not just in academics, but also in character. Some days are long, and some days are hard. But just like Maria's garden out by the basketball court, every day we are learning and growing. After school on Monday, I help with desperate baby care, a ministry that helps moms care for undernourished babies. Every week when they come, we weigh the babies and give the moms formula. They return the following week and we weigh the baby again, making sure it has been giving the formula and is gaining weight. Watching these children grow healthier and stronger, I remember why I love helping with this program so much. These children and their moms, they are precious, and I have seen the moms we share the gospel with accept Jesus because of this ministry. The Desperate Baby Care Ministry is held in a clinic above the nursing home. As I walk back to the orphanage, I see Mondesi and remember the day he came to us. We didn't know if he would walk, but now I watch him, walking down the hallway of the senior home. When a new senior comes to us, some of us kids will go over to welcome them. We paint their nails, do their hair, and often will sing them songs and tell them about Jesus. As we come to cook and clean and care for the grandmas, we get to watch God change their life by His love. Anil is outside with the grandmas. They sit on the benches as Anil continues his character training with them. He is part of the character training team run by Teeter. My brothers and sisters and I all enroll in this ministry that has spread throughout Haiti. Character training helps teach God living. They have retreats and seminars in different parts of this country. But here on the compound, the programs look a little different. We meet with one of the team leaders, working one-on-one -on -one through the program. We learn truth and what God living looks like. Within, I can hear the there is a constant motion of activity. Today, I can hear the choir practicing for the Sunday service. The church is in the center of the compound where we meet on Sundays to worship Jesus. The sun is setting and the shadow of the mountain covers the compound. This compound, it is used for so many things throughout the week. Over the years, I've taken part in the singing groups, the youth programs, and Sunday school. My life revolves around this compound. I learn love, hurt, and care right along with the other children here. Life all over is a struggle, but with God's help, we can change the world. I wish I could take you to Haiti. You'd like it. The people are very kind, mostly. Uh, why are we here, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen? We're here for Jesus. We're here to share the gospel. We're here to help people. And... Uh, it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy, but it's worth it because eternity's coming fast. Very fast. 
I invite you to invest your life in eternal things. Don't waste your life on material things, fame, fortune, God. What counts? People, gospel, discipleship, the word of God, getting involved. We can help you get involved. We'd love to. Just in closing, I'm going to give this. Do you remember this? You don't? You think I'm going to give you money? <laughs> some money? You got some receipts in here. You know what this is? This is sin. This hand represents you and me. Let this hand represent you and me, and let this wallet represent our sin. Now, does God hate you because you've sinned? No. The Bible says that God loves us, even though we've sinned. The Bible says that God loved us while we were still sinners. He did not want us to have to pay for this sin, because the wages of sin is death and hell forever and ever. Wages of sin is death. Separation from God. So what did God do? He sent Jesus. My right hand represent him. He loved every person in the world. He died on the cross to pay for all of our sin. Now see, I grew up, I thought that Jesus paid for part of my sin. And that I had to do good works to make sure I would be in heaven and somehow pay for the other part. And I sang that old faithful hymn, Jesus paid for part, I pay part myself. <laughs> that was my version. I thought that somehow I had to add something to faith in order to make it to heaven, and therefore I was never sure if I would go to heaven when I died. Are you sure that you're going to heaven when you die? I've been helping out with a church plant. People who have gone to church all their life. And you know what I found out? Some of them were not sure that they went to heaven. They said, we used to go to this church and we'd come home and my wife and I would talk and we weren't sure if we were saved anymore. What? What? Well, I'm sorry, it makes me mad. Because the Bible says that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus... You are given the gift of eternal life and you will never perish because now you are saved because he died for you. You are secure in him. You could never be lost. He has a grip on you and he will not let go. That's called the gospel. That's called good news. Isn't that good news? Can you say amen? Man, I would never share the gospel if I had to tell you all the other stuff that I'm hearing people, because that's not good news. You can be sure of eternal life. Here's what it says in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you who have put your trust in and believe in Jesus, the one who died for you on the cross and paid for your sins, that you may know that you have eternal life because Jesus did that for you. Salvation does not depend upon your works. If it did, you could never be sure because you would never be sure if you did enough. But if it rests totally on Jesus, he did it all. He did it enough, he's sufficient, he's satisfactory, and he will give you eternal life if you believe in him. For God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him believes in the promise that he gave eternal life or gives eternal life to all who put their trust in him, that person shall never perish but have everlasting life. I hope you have it. That's becoming more and more precious to me all the time. Every time I share the gospel with people, boy, I hope you're sharing the gospel with people because it gets you going inside. We don't have a burden for lost people because we're not sharing the gospel. Once you start sharing the gospel, you start having a... It, it, it impacts you. I can't explain it. There's something about it. We need to be sharing the gospel with people. This dear lady... We'll pray. He needs to be saved. His eyes need to be opened to the truth of the gospel. Do you know people who are going to hell? It's you've got a free country. We can share that message with them. Let's not let's not use our time, waste our time. Let's do it. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who's never trusted Jesus as their Savior. And if you're here this morning and have never done so, you're not certain you have eternal life. Put your trust in Christ. He'll never let you down. He loves you unconditionally. He's given you a promise. He will not fail in that promise. As sure as he died and rose again, and makes a promise of eternal life to all who believe, that's how sure you can be that you will be saved because he lives inside of you. You will go to be with him in heaven when you believe. Right now, would you put your trust in Christ as your Savior? Put your faith and trust in the one who did that for you. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. We all have. But right now, I trust in you as my Savior. and believe you died for me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you'd like to slip your hand up and say, Amen. I did trust Jesus as my Savior this morning. It made sense to me if Jesus did it all. There's nothing left for me to do but trust in Him. Anyone? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just slip your hand up and say, Hey, I trusted Christ. Our Heavenly Father, what a day we live in. What a day we live in. It's unreal. We look around us, things are falling apart. Life is falling apart. But we have the answer in you. Give us grace, open doors of opportunity that the gospel might spread like fire. That all in this community could hear of salvation as a free gift. That you'd be glorified and honored and many people come to know you as their Savior. I pray that for Haiti. I pray that for Mexico. I pray that you might just open doors of opportunity beyond what we can imagine or think. So that great things could happen for your glory and your honor. Thank you for this church. Pray for Pastor Dave for his safe return. Thank you for his ministry here, over there. His faithfulness, his love for you, his love for the people here. Thank you for this church. Bless them richly as they go forward. In your name I pray.